fans, what's going on? Peter Ariz here. D Money will be joining me very shortly as the Miami Hurricanes move to 4-0, stay undefeated, and go on the road. First road game of the season, defeating Temple 41-7 in a dominant performance, particularly on the ground. That's what the conditions called for. Um, it was this, it was speculated before the game that this was not going to be a very pretty atmosphere out there in Philadelphia. Um, and the Canes go out there, get it done, as you'd expect. And as, look, these are the types of wins that we have not seen the last 10-plus years consistently enough, a business-like win. So, again... D-Money will be joining me shortly, but awesome win for the Canes. First road game of the season going into the bye week. Obviously, a couple injuries have to monitor as Mesador, Dean still not out there. Henry Parrish goes down late. Matt Lee, that's going to be the one that everyone is crossing their fingers on with all injuries. But, man, what he means to this team uh, you can't, you cannot undersell what he has brought to this offense this season. And if he's gone for an extended period of time, it's going to be a huge, huge blow. And we'll see what what they'll do there. But it was good to see him get off the field on his own power. Obviously, he had he was upset when he reacted, and you know when he got up, he again he was able to get off the field on his own power, but. You just never know with those uh, lower leg injuries. But D-Money is ready to join us here as he uh, has his now customary Orange Bowl background. I have my IPF. D-Money, welcome. How was uh, how was Titanic today? Awesome. Packed house. Shout out to everybody who showed up and, uh, and made it fun. Um, altruistic leader on YouTube. You know, um, we had Nick, Robbie. Chris, just a, a great crew out there. A lot of people supporting, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of fun. Great deals, great food, and a great win, man. A lot of TVs. Uh, they, they had all the Canes TVs. Plus, they had the, you know the Colorado game. Just an awesome experience, man. And um, it's a lot more fun when you get a performance like that. So, a uh, lot to talk about. But yeah, Titanic was awesome, and it's going to keep rolling all season. Yeah, Dean, what I said before you came on was, and this is the phrase that's being used, business-like win today, going on the road, ugly, ugly atmosphere, very easy to go into a game like this where the conditions aren't perfect. You know how these Miami teams tend to shrivel up in those conditions for whatever reason over the last 10 to 15 years. But today that was not, this looked like a toughened up team out there. No, no doubt about it. And uh, I think the teams that are playing Miami are feeling it the next day. You know, you heard Miami, Ohio, the coach say that they were completely beat up the next day. Texas A&M looked beat up. Their quarterback, you know, couldn't walk and is now broken down. Um, that was a physical, physical, physical dominating win. Got about 323 rushing yards to 11. I mean, that's that. Uh, that's got to be the the most satisfying box score stat of Mario's tenure so far for for what he's trying to accomplish. When you can run for 323 yards, I don't care the opponent, an FBS opponent, 323 yards and you allow 11. That is just physical dominance. There's no gimmicks to that. It was right down their throat. And again, on the other side, 
uh, just sound tackling. So, man, it was a lot of fun. Now, look, I haven't seen the replay. I've been I just drove straight from Titanic to uh, to the Miami Beach studios here. Uh, Listen to some some nice Latin music on the way back. You know, some Mar- Marco Antonio Solis, some Mark Anthony, just enjoying the vibes of uh, of, of that performance because, man. It's been so long since Miami physically dominated consistently week to week. It's going to change, obviously, when you go against different opponents. But look, Texas A&M, you watched them against Auburn, which is another SEC team. That D-line looked a lot different against Auburn than it did against Miami. I think this offensive line is for real. I think it's one of the best units in the country. You know, Even the second team, we saw them blowing up holes for Chris Johnson. Just the crispness of the pools. Seeing guys like Riley Williams and Cam McCormick setting blocks, uh, Restrepo, you know, lead blocking and opening up holes for uh, for for Henry Parrish, reminiscent of the St. Louis Rams where you had Cooper Cup. You're designing plays for him to go in motion and block as he's so physical. You saw that a little bit with Restrepo, and we'll get into all the specifics. But what I saw was physicality at every single position. Rashard Smith finishing his runs, running people over. Uh, Henry Parrish running people over. Every position was physical today, and the, the box score reflects what you saw. And I bet Temple tomorrow and the next day, they're going to be feeling this one. And as much as we're going to talk about the run game, Tyler Van Dyke still does his job uh, to, a, to a very high level. Probably should have had another touchdown there on the, the late one there with Colby Young. I, I, he did have his arm extended, but the, the Temple corner was almost pulling it, grabbing it. I don't think that Colby did anything excessive there. So nice to see him trust his receivers, throw the ball up there, and let them go make a play out on it, especially Colby. Yeah, Colby looks so physically dominant. I mean, that was that was not pass, offensive pass interference. I think it was just the size difference made it look like that, where – you know, he's just that guy where he's going to bully guys and it'll, it looks like he's extending his arm and pushing, but he's not. He's just a stronger guy with better balance. I think with Kobe, we talked about all offseason, how his body improves. And I think you saw it on that first touchdown where, look, he could always go up and high point the ball. That's his game. That was his game coming out of high school even. The difference now on top of just the speed and quickness is he caught the ball and had the core strength to finish that and get it across the goal line without – hitting the ground. In the past, he would have just – he may have made a catch, but he would have just fallen down in a heap. To have the ability to, to keep his balance and extend, that's conditioning, that's strength and conditioning, that's core strength, that's being at a good weight, that's all those things. So you're seeing that, and you're seeing that across the board. You know, Shout out to Kevin Beard, David Cooney, um, Donovan Varner, all the people working with that receiver group. That group has gotten so much better in all the things, not just catching the ball and being explosive. And obviously the system helps that too, but the little things, the finishing, the blocking. Again, we mentioned Restrepo where they're basically calling plays for him to be that lead blocker. Um, You know, Jacoby George night and day from his first two years, as far as maturity and consistency with him. Um, Rashard Smith, again, the physicality he's playing with finishing runs and playing with confidence. That group has gotten so much better. And that's, that is, Talent for sure, but uh, but coaching, and you know it's only going to get better with recruiting. So excited about the future of that group in particular. And how about Don Chaney coming out the first offensive series? I believe he was the first first guy to get to get touches there. I mean, that's just 
you're you're prepared. You have to prepare for a lot of different things now with this offense as an opposing defensive coordinator. Yeah, the running game again. Offensive line is really a story with the running numbers, but the running backs were doing. They were the ones that ran for those 323 yards. Or I take that back because TBD uh, he had some of those too, right? Uh, what was his What was his rushing? I have to pull up the stats, um, but he had you know he had some of those uh, 323. TBD had two for 39. Yeah, I mean, and it's such it's again such an extra threat for the defense to worry about. As much as it may not be, you know, you understand he's not he's not a you know the most mobile guy back there. He's definitely got more than enough um, to. You got to keep an extra eye on him. So, no great things developing on the offensive side of the ball. Before you came on, I said, you know, knock on wood. Matt Lee, his injury is nothing serious. It was great that he walked off on his own power. I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's anything too bad, but he was very frustrated when he, that, I think that's probably his competitive nature, right? But it, I, I got a little scared there because he, you know, he, he was very, he was very upset. No, well, first of all, Cristobal said that him and Parrish are both fine. Okay. So they're all They're good. No, no need to worry. They're fine. Um, when that happened, though, when I saw him hit the the turf, I, I was I was in, in in Titanic saying our season's over. You know, this is the one guy we couldn't lose. My wife's laughing at me. She's like, "Man, like, is this how it's going to be? Just one thing goes wrong after a game like this, and you're calling the season." But he's so important. But yeah, he's fine. Ryan Rodriguez, very interesting to see him come in as the backup center. He was not the center during camp at at all. He was the guard. I saw him even play tackle a little bit with the third team. I rarely saw him play center. That was usually Luis Cristobal. Those roles have flipped, and you saw Rodriguez at center and Cristobal at backup guard. Very interesting to me. I think Rodriguez has a lot more talent than Cristobal. He's bigger. Um, He was recruited as a center originally, much closer to Matt Lee in terms of the physical tools. So that was a good move, and I thought he played well. He made had one hold where he just kind of tackled the guy. But other than that, I thought Ryan Rodriguez played well, and that could be good if you have a true backup center for the future as opposed to just relying on Jalen Rivers to be the backup, which is 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 what – you know maybe if Batley was ever down for an extended period, which, again, he's not because of this. But you know if you have a true backup center, that makes things a lot easier. You can keep a guy like Rivers outside. Offensive line-wise, Javion Cohen had some highlight – Highlight plays out there um, as a as a pooling guard. I mean, he's he's been a heck of an addition. Dominant. His film has been unbelievable. You know, Pete, I'm excited when you talk to your scouts about some of these linemen because you know Rivers has had a great year. Lee's had a great year. Cohen has had a really really good year, man. I didn't I didn't know Cohen was so physical. I thought he was more of a pass blocker, but he's killing guys, man. He's beating people up as is Cooper, as is Mauagoa, you know, so it doesn't stop. And this, the second team, you saw Chris Johnson, man, it was, if he would have gotten more carries, he probably would have broken one of these 60 yarders, you know, at, at some point, because they were getting nice blocks and he was so explosive. Um, Office line looks unbelievable on the running backs. Before we leave Parrish, obviously, you know, again, Chris Wall said he's fine. Average about nine yards a carry today. I think at 130 something yards. Um, now pull up the exact stats right here. So Parrish on the day, 16 carries, 139 yards, 8.7 per two touchdowns. And he had he was going um, seven per going into the game. So he's going to be well over seven per on the season. It's amazing. 139 yards, his long was 17. So it was just big, 
chunk, big chunk, big chunk. It wasn't like a 60-yard run blowing up his average. Uh, so he looked good. Cheney ran hard. Fletcher. I didn't know. If, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of Fletcher, but I think what I think surprised me a little bit, his lateral quicks in a short area. He's not just a straight line guy. He had some nice plays where he got out of track, you know, trouble in short spaces, including that touchdown, which got called back. It was a really nice play. He had a couple of ones where he, he made a guy miss and did something. We know he's got size. We know he got speed. He's a great blocker. He's going to have that aspect going forward with the pass blocking. That's going to keep him on the field. He's someone, there's a lot of uh, competition in that room, but he's someone I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season, if he stays healthy, knock on wood, he's either 1A or 1B. Looking over to the other side of the ball, Leonard Taylor, right? Everyone's been calling, you know, you know, texting into this show, commenting, you know, what, when's Leonard Taylor going to have his appearance? He gets his sack, but I have a feeling his, his PFF grade is going to be pretty high because replay after replay after these, you know, after the play happened, you just see him chasing EJ Warner and he's blowing up these plays that are, he's not going to get the sack. He's not going to get the tackle, but the game, the play is over because of the pressure he's getting from the inside. I hope someone made a cut up of this game on him. Like one of these YouTubers that does the draft stuff. I don't think he got blocked the entire game. I did not see one play where he got blocked, Leonard Taylor. I thought that was by design and it was like a trap or something and they're going to boot the other way or something because he was just walking through him. It was ugly. Like it's Temple, whatever. He was not getting blocked. And thank God he didn't get hurt because they started chop blocking him. I saw they tried to chop block him once and he just jumped over the guy, you know, and did it and got in there. So he is extremely talented, man. And uh, he was. He was putting it on him, you know. I think you you had the you had Tony on the on the podcast last week, um, um, who did an awesome job, and obviously he knows <laughs> forgotten more ball than we know. And he was talking about Taylor. Obviously, he was a, a nose tackle on the '83 championship team, and you know he was talking about Taylor. He said, "I want to see it consistently." Well, listen, when you go against Temple and you put it on him like that, that's good because that's what you're supposed to do, and. Um, you know he's going to be up for the big games. So to be up for that game, good sign. Um, just uh, the thing about this team, the edge rush, you want to see more going forward. That's going to be something to watch, certainly with Mesidor out. Um, but that interior rush, they really don't have bad pass rushers inside. I mean, everybody is a good pass rusher. Taylor's exceptional. Dean, when he's healthy, he's really, really good. Jared Harrison Hunt is hard to block inside on these pass rushes. Lichtenstein. Is, is a pass rusher first. Uh, Gore, you know, Thomas Gore, maybe against a Texas A&M, he's not your guy. But against teams like this, he's dominant, man. And then, you know, UNC, uh, when he was at Georgia State, he killed them too. So that's not a game where you'd have to hide him necessarily. So a lot of really nice uh, nice stuff from the interior defense alignment. Lots of questions about A.J. Allen and Ahmad Moten. Um, I, I don't know if you have any extra information there. Um, but we hadn't heard anything about injuries there, so I would assume something disciplinary. Yeah, and look, those things happen. Didn't miss him, you know. Um, the guys that were there played, and those positions were extremely productive. So, you know, I don't know is the answer. If I knew, I would say it, um, or at least say I can't say it, but I, I actually do not know if it's disciplinary to watch the other guys dominate while you're gone, 
got to be good, right? Because then you say, okay, now I got to be on point because the guys that are replacing me are making plays. Anyone else on the D-line stick out today for you, D? Well, it was nice to see 93 in there, Anthony Campbell. Um, you know, nice to see him get some snaps. Really, to me, with the D-line, my, my focus was that interior rush. I think that's going to be a significant part of this team going forward, um, the ability to rush inside. Now we need uh, Ruben Bain to – he's been so close, man. He's so close to just getting these multiple sack games, and he's just a second later. They get the ball out early. Uh, I think there's going to be a game – could be next week – where you see three sacks out of Ruben Bain because he's that kind of guy, and he's, he's, he's out there. To Corey Couch, two interceptions today. There was one play. He gave up a big play downfield, um, but he he did have his two interceptions. There was a question here about chunk, big chunk plays, so I guess we can kind of um, lump those two questions in together. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, looking at the, at the box score, um, there were a few big pass plays. Um, there are going to be opportunities to make plays against this defense. I know one time you had a, a running back matched up against Jaden Wayne, which is not a great matchup for Jaden Wayne as a freshman, big defense end. Um, so, so there, there, there's going to be plays made when, when guys don't get home. Do I know what happened? I mean, no, I mean, I was watching the TV cut. I don't know what everybody's assignments were. I mean, it's hard to say I'd be, I don't want right. to single out anybody and then be wrong. Um, but I thought the run defense was outstanding. I got, I'm curious to see what our numbers are at the end of this game. I bet our, our season run defense per carry is under two, which is insane, or at least close to it. Um, today, Temple's uh, yards per carry was 0.7. They had 16 rushes for 11 yards, uh, so that's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, there were some plays that um, they were able to get things, make things happen. And you saw that against Bethune, too. I mean, this is a pretty aggressive defense. There are going to be opportunities to make plays, especially when you had defensive ends, uh, you know, with coverage responsibilities and you can't, and you don't get home with, 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 with the blitz you're sending, that's going to happen. But it's hard for me to say without watching it close. I mean, look, the biggest thing for me now is that you're going to get this bye week get guys healthy, right? Any little, any little, uh, Knicks, uh, you're going to need to, uh, to rest up these, this next week and a half for George tech. No question. And look, Temple's going to need a bye week because, that was just such a, a, a beatdown physically. Um, but yeah, you know, one guy, we, we kind of were skipping around positions. I want to go back to the tight ends. Number 88, Riley Williams. We've been talking about him on the podcast. This guy is going to be amazing. If he stays healthy, he's out there blocking like he's a blocking tight end. This is a true freshman receiving tight end, and he's out there blocking. He's already a better blocker than Will Mallory, you know. And and look, Mallory had forty five yards in the NFL last year. The guy is a stud. I'm not trying to to denigrate him. I'm just saying there's receiving tight ends who have a role, and then there's guys like Riley Williams who can have the talent to be complete total tight end first round studs. I, I'm ecstatic about this guy. He hasn't had the the big receiving day breakout yet. It's coming. The touchdown that DVD hit to Restrepo, the second one, Riley Williams was wide open on that too. It was cover zero. He ran right by the guy. If if, if you watch the replay, TVD could have easily gone there, and that would have been a touchdown. But that will happen, but he's really showing up as a blocker. McCormick continues to uh, to do good things blocking. Uh, as far as true freshmen, I mentioned Fletcher. You saw Ray Ray Joseph, um, some of the stuff he can do in space. You saw that burst and that, and that balance. And it's Chris Johnson, man. 
I would love a oh, shout out to Trevor, man. Great meeting you. Uh, you know, that was, uh, that was great. Meet your whole table. Hope, I hope your friend got his, uh, his farm raised chicken, um, <laughs> that he was asking for. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, so, you know, Chris Johnson, unbelievable burst and he's showing it consistently. Now I want to see that with the first team offensive line, because some of those holes that, that, that Henry Parrish had again, Henry, Henry Parrish is a total stud. He's averaging over seven yards a carry this season, and he does everything well. His long was 17 to get to that 130. Chris Johnson with some of those holes, he can get 130 in two plays. Now, that doesn't mean he's better than Henry Parrish. Henry Parrish shouldn't be starting. I'm not saying don't, don't get me wrong. But there is a role for Chris Johnson with the first-team offensive line that can change the scoreboard. Not just the down and distance, you know, the scoreboard in one play. So I'm excited to see what he does because, look, there's a lot of running backs. You can only do what you can with the opportunities you're given. And Chris Johnson now has had two opportunities, and he has shown out to me both times. And that's without the great offensive line. So that's somebody I'm watching going forward. I'm going to highlight some of these comments here, which – you you already alluded to Thomas Gore created a lot of pressures today, two sacks. Um, you just mentioned these guys. I wasn't quite sure what happened on that incompletion. I don't know if that was oh at Emory. He, yeah, that was a weird play. By the way, Tattoo Terry, thanks for noting noting this. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we're so excited to talk about these trenches. We forgot to say like and subscribe. Uh, canesinsight.com forums. I know, I, you know, I met some people like my man Trevor, who are who are YouTube fans, who aren't necessarily on the boards. You know, obviously, continue to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, but check out the canesinsight.com forum. That's our bread and butter. That is the, I mean, six point five million posts. If someone breathes uh, on the Canes team, there's a post about it. It is so immediate with the information on everything. People are on social media covering what kids are doing there. They're, they're every news article, anything that happens, boom, it's on us, our site immediately. Plus you get inside stuff from myself and others um, who are giving it to you direct, you know, from as, you know, as close sources as you will find on the internet. So if you all free, by the way, there's no premium or there's no subscription as far as you got to pay to play, sign up for free, Canesinsight.com forums. Um, you won't regret it if you're if you're just a YouTube fan. And of course, YouTube people, we appreciate you continue to like and subscribe. So, Pete, with that plug, go back. Another another comment here that we talked about earlier. TVD. It, these were not pretty conditions, man. It was ugly out there. Every time you, I mean, we knew people at the game. They said it was ugly all day. You know, since the morning time. Kurt Warner was tweeting about how every uh, football stadium should have a dome to level the playing field. So you, obviously his son being the quarterback, you knew it was, it was not going to be good conditions out there, right? So, so what he was doing out there was very impressive. Obviously the receivers did a, did a great job as well. But, I mean, just, again, Shannon Dawson and him picking their spots uh, getting the ball downfield. No question about it. It's when he drops back and he throws it, I expect it to be completed for a good play. You know, he is just so comfortable. 
and he looks casual almost. Not, but not too casual where he's making bad decisions or getting sacked. But it's just like he is so calm behind this offensive line, so comfortable in the offense. And I, I said it on the last podcast, his stats without Gaddis are off the charts. Another three touchdowns today, completion percentage through the roof. I mean, his his touchdown interception right now is 11 to 1. And I want to say his completion percentage is over set, well over 70. Um, and and he's he's faster. More quick, you know, quicker than last year. Um, so he's to me playing as good as anybody in the country, man. And again, you saw Texas AM's uh defensive line looked a lot better against Auburn than it did against us. Um, in general, they made things tough for Auburn's quarterback. TVD destroyed that defense, which has a lot of studs. Um, so man, I'm I'm jacked up about about TVD. I think you know, we made the Alabama won today, obviously. Um which I want to talk about actually in a second, but I'm so glad we have TVD. Uh, he is just a, an absolute stud. And I think when his num- when this season is done, please knock on wood that he stays healthy. We're going to look back at his career and his numbers and some of the performances. We're going to be like, wow, this guy was unreal. Cause it's not, you know, we've seen bad quarterback play to just take for granted to go against an FBS team and throw three touchdowns well over 70% completion and, and think nothing of it. Don't take that for granted. We saw last year. Yeah, don't take that for granted where your offensive coordinator and your quarterback are in sync like that, where they go out and throw three touchdowns, no picks. And we're talking about he should have had probably four or five touchdowns. He missed Restrepo on one his one one of his few bad throws, and there was a no call or a bad call on a PI to Kobe. He could have had five touchdowns and without breaking a sweat, man. But on Alabama, I want to mention I know there's a lot of Lane Kiffin fans. Okay. I've never been a big Lane Kiffin fan personally. To me, if Lil Wayne didn't say his name on the song, I don't think we'd be talking about Lane Kiffin like we do. He's a very good offensive coach. He's done well at Ole Miss. He does not build things to last, okay, in my opinion. We'll see how Ole Miss goes. Maybe this is premature and people are going to throw this back at me. I, I don't see a, a, a guy who's coming in to build things to last. I see a guy who can juice up an offense quick because he's a good play caller. I see a guy who can make some headlines but I don't see someone who built something to last. The way Cristobal's building it, it's not done yet. Built to last. 323 rushing yards to 11 against, that's building something to last with a stout offensive line that's going to make everybody look good. With relentless recruiting that's constant. Relentlessly recruiting Jeremiah Smith, Aiden Breland, Ellis Robinson, those guys are getting swarmed right now. Those three names and more, and way more that we know about and we don't know about. But those three, I promise. That's building something to last. Maybe it wasn't juiced up immediately. We saw last year. It definitely wasn't that. That was painful. But what's happening here is sustainable and solid. And this was a business-like win. Business-like win that is built on a solid foundation of dominant offensive line play and talent acquisition across the board question here from marcus white how much of the playbook you think still hasn't been opened up yet me personally i think what you're seeing is what it is i'm sure there's there's some wrinkles uh that haven't been thrown out there but for the most part this is going to be a balanced offense that has the ability to control the game through the ground and obviously can can get vertical as well yeah, and look, there's not a lot of trickery going on out here. I mean, 
they ran when they were wanting to run and they ran it right down their throats. The the passing game, look, there was one-on-one covers, TVD dropped back and through. I'll tell you, and again, maybe I was at the, you know, I was at Titanic. I was talking to people. I'm going to know more when I watch this on replay and uh, plenty of other people saw it probably better than me. I did not see TVD drop back, read the field and, and run a, any kind of long developing play. It looked like it was either a screen, excuse me, obviously the running game and then very quick decisions in one-on-one coverage. So, you know, they didn't need to do too much today because they were just that much more physically dominant and locked in. Let's see what else we have here. As Chi-Town Kane asking about Cedric Bailey, um, we're watching him for sure. I've said in my opinion on South Florida quarterbacks for years, you know, I see Michael Pratt, I see Jordan Travis balling. Um, I'm happy with our Connecticut quarterback. I wouldn't trade him, but there's great quarterbacks locally. And you put those guys behind this kind of offensive line, develop them a little bit, put them in a system like this one with Dawson, which is conducive to their skill set. Um, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that have a lot of upside in South Florida. With Bailey, he's got size, he's got speed. Um, he's a leader, major winner, major intangibles. The release is not the best. He has a good arm. I think if he can tighten up some mechanical things, there's big upside there. Um, so we'll see. But I'm, Miami's not turning a blind eye to Cedric Bailey. Beast mode five six seven says, let's talk about the breakout season of Jacoby George. He was the leading receiver today, yardage wise, and again, just looks much better physically as well. Maturity, man. Um, a lot of tough love with Jacoby George. Uh, you know, since Cristobal got here, um, I think. Being around a Kobe Young and a Restrepo has helped Jacoby George because he sees what it's got to look like. Um, he came in with a lot of young players around him, so they all kind of had the same mentality, right? Now you have a Restrepo, a Kobe Young, who do everything right, and you see that, and you say, okay, you know, that's what I got to do. We've talked about receiver being a tangible position. I think um, you're seeing that. I think uh, with Jacoby, he's the most talented of the three, and you're seeing when the intangibles match his ability. Uh, great hands, great change of pace as a route runner. You know, he he's not going to be a guy that goes runs a, a 10 600, but his ability to change speeds is probably the best I've seen in a while on Miami and allows him to get deep and make big plays. Natural receiver tracks the ball, extremely productive in high school. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface with Jacoby George. Glad to see his consistency. He's completely moved past those drops against Texas A&M, built off the good things he did in that game, and is just continuing to be more to be consistent and and, and lock in. Sorry, I keep doing this. You're I up in pizza up in pizza up in by pizza up in where are you at? I'm up in I'm up in uh, New York, man. I'm up in I'm up in Sag Harbor, New York, right now. So that, is that like I don't know anything about New York uh, that area? Is that was that like the Hamptons or? What's I that think area? it's the Hamptons, man. I guess. Oh, this is look all at you! The Hamptons. Yeah, it's, look it's at all you. fancy. So, I was so got- watching the game when I was watching the game on a boat today. I was I was trying to convince the people I'm with. Like, you know, I know we're not too far from Philly, but that you know that wasn't gonna fly. So it wasn't bad watching on the boat and in. Rain in rainy weather. Uh, we, you know, we were just docked. We weren't out there. But, um, anyways, work. Yeah, yeah. So you're, so you're, you're playing through. Uh, you know, you're playing through a buzz right now here. Uh, turn it with the mute button. 
But no, as far as the recruit from Workforce Freebie, yeah, listen, we, Miami's been saying, let us win some games and, and play well, which we think we're going to do, and we're going to be going after everybody. Guys that didn't commit to us, guys that are uncommitted, whoever, guys that are committed elsewhere. Um, so that's a major change. I think 2025, you're seeing big dividends, but 2024, they're going hard after guys committed to other schools. Again, Jeremiah Smith and Ellis Robinson I would be the names at the top of the list, and then Aiden Breland uncommitted. Miami's working extremely hard with all three of those guys, and then a ton of other guys. Pilo wants to know, can we be Florida State at Clemson? I mean, look, if you were watching that game today, I wasn't overly impressed by either one of them. FSU has dudes. Don't get me, don't get, don't get me wrong. I mean, they have got, you know, handful of guys who will be playing in the NFL who will be high draft picks. Um, but that Clemson team does not have does not have the depth of talent that they've had in the past didn't see much have not seen much from their from their passing game from their quarterback position there and really don't see much of a downfield threat with them um and then they aren't as strong in the trenches so this is not the same Clemson I don't I don't think there's any doubt Miami can beat Clemson Florida State, Miami has had a chance to beat Florida State in, in Miami's worst years and Florida State's best years. So why can't they beat Florida State? Um, the way that they're built, this is a team that should travel well on the road. So I agree with everything you said. Um, can't look, can Florida State and, Miami, and Clemson beat Miami? Obviously, yes. It's, you know, so to me to say these are like layup games, any one of them. Obviously not. FSU is going to be an extraordinary challenge. Number four, Coleman is is elite first round pick, and and Jared Verse is probably a top top five type pick, top ten pick. You know, one of the best defensive ends I've seen in a while. It, it, so yeah, they're good, and they have a good offense and a, and a system that they believe in. Another good receiver with Wilson and Travis is one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in the country. So yes, those are legit teams. With Clemson, again, can Miami can Clemson come in and beat Miami? One hundred percent. But as we sit here today and in, in week four, not knowing the whole picture, but knowing what we know now, and comments, man, correct me. What players are you looking at on the Clemson team and saying, you know, I would trade a Miami player for that player? I would say a linebacker, the, the 54, yes, I'll take him on Miami, <laughs> no question. Um, they have another good linebacker. I think he's number zero, number eight, uh, single digit linebacker. Their linebackers are good, and then number two is the corner, and they have their DBs in general are pretty good. But on that offense, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge Will Shipley guy. He'd probably look a lot better behind our offensive line, but it's, you know, they're not that good on offense. Their their receivers are not very good. Kate Klubnick to me, just a guy. You know, he can run their system and be a good college quarterback. He could light us up. You know, we don't we're not we have holes on 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 the, in the secondary, but he's not. Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson, even a fraction of those guys. He's going to take, he's, from what I've seen, Klubnik is going to get what's there, and that's it. He's not going to create extra. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, again, linebackers, they have a good corner. They have some guys for sure, but we saw, remember, like, Guys like Hayden Mahoney going against four first round D linemen, which we saw in the in the conference championship a couple of years ago. That mismatch, I like our matchup next offensive line, their defensive line. I think that's a major win for Miami. We have five NFL guys. I don't know how many guys they have NFL on this defensive line. 
It's not last year. It's not the 2017. Um, you know, so I, I that battle I, that 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 Miami O line against Florida State D line is going to be a really good battle because FSU has a, a couple other guys there outside of outside of Jared Verse. Love it. Um, is a, is a guy that that's pretty impressive on the inside. He's an NFL type prospect. So and fifty five, uh, uh, I think he's fifty five. Uh, the guy they got the transfer they got from the, from from the MAC, a Fisk, I think I want to say his name. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. He's good too. No, FSU is good. FSU is 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 to me, you know, Clemson would have stole one from them in this game because uh, FSU was better to me than Clemson by more than what the score reflected. Just looking at the teams, I'm just I'm not a Dabo man. How do you not have a kicker? How do you not have a kicker? I mean, you just steal one from any G5 team. How many teams has Miami played? The you know that where you look at the kicker and the kicker's making 50 yards against us, and you say, man, how did this crappy school get this kicker? Clemson can't steal one of those guys. It's Clemson, man. I mean, this is not. We're not talking about a a, a random group of five team here we're talking about clemson could you imagine and i'm sure there it's been there have been this this week but if this was my, something happening in miami it would be i mean the media would be all over it it, it was a feel-good story you know this week but he blew the game for them they, they took the guy out just to make him the, the most hated guy in the world. Well, they, they they brought him back just to be a. a they had a, they had his family up in the up in the box. I know, you know man. Come on, listen. How did? I mean, go go anywhere. There all there's kickers that can make twenty nine yard field goals all over the country. Well, again, comparing the rosters, look at Miami's kicker. Miami's kicker is going to play in the National Football League. Okay, so another area, important area, where Miami has surpassed Clemson. That doesn't mean Miami's going to beat Clemson. College football. But from last year to this year, the talent differential has closed in an extraordinary fashion based on what we've seen four games in. I think it's fair to say. Any more, you know, get some, get some more questions in here before we wrap things up, Canes fans. How about Jaden Davis? Random shout out to him, leading tackler. Once again, just flashes. Stud. I mean, where, where would it be without him? I do think our secondary, you know, is going to, when you talk about these FSU games, um, you know, or even Clemson. I mean, Clemson has, their receivers aren't that good, but, you know, they have a good offensive coordinator, you know, they can expose us there certainly more than Temple did it. Um, but, you know, a guy like Jaden Davis covers up a lot with a solid play. Couch had a great game as far as making the plays that were there to be made and had a couple of nice pass breakups as well. James Williams, I think, is just having a really good season. You know, I was talking to a to man, Nick, uh, supporting the site. He was a you know former high school defensive coach, guy who played the game, high school and college knows knows defense backwards and forwards, but to our coaching clinic. And, you know, I think people, and we're talking about it, people underestimate James Williams because of, I don't know if it's the ranking or because of all these other things, but there's so much that he takes away that you don't even see to have a six, five guy that you cannot throw over or 
through, you know, and he's covering all that space. It's not just the plays he makes, it's the plays that they cannot make because you have a six five safety who's really smart and athletic enough to get in the way. Uh, so he does a lot out there. And I think you notice when he gets a stupid penalty for, you know, suplexing a guy, or you notice if he gets misses a tackle, which he's doing a lot less, by the way, now that his shoulder's fixed. But you don't notice all the little things he does. So, you know, I'm 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 happy with 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 James Williams. By the way, Camp Kitchens, who who is missed t- tremendously coaching the guys up, saw him on the trip, had everybody huddle around, coaching up. I mean, an elite, elite leader, the definition of an all-American. And uh, you know, really excited to see him and Williams back again for these big games because it's gonna be that's when they're really gonna get tested. Yeah, great to see him and Mesador both on the sidelines traveling with the team. You know, still no major updates there, but at least with, with Cam, we'd we'd probably expect him back sooner rather than later. Yeah, he'll be fine. Again, you saw him coaching it up. Uh he will be a coach if he wants to be when he's retired when he's retired from the NFL. He'll be an announcer if he wants to be a businessman. That guy can do a lot of things. But you know, right now as we sit here, he can play football and he'll be doing it very soon at a all American level, which we need. Well, D, we got the bye week this week, but that does not mean that we will stop our coverage. Of course, canesinsight.com. Keep it locked there all week long. We will have the bye week stuff, um, and we will still have our podcast. We will have the live show next Thursday, as we always do. Um, we'll have the see, I, would ex- the, I was going to say, I was going to say, I would expect some. Now with the bye week, I was, I would expect uh, some recruiting news, momentum. The coaches are going to be hitting it hard, and I mean, this is just it, the, the way they won so you know effect, you know, efficiently and and overpoweringly. It just keeps that momentum rolling with with the recruiting side. There's it wasn't any there was nothing about this win that was stagnant. No, and look, it's not a bye week; it's a game week, recruiting wise. And have these to have this head coach with a four and O record, a good four and O record, a you know a a better. We play we played at the highest level to get the four and O. Competition is what it is. The performance has been on the high end of that four and O, and. By week, all the time in the world, he's going to be on fire recruiting. And all you know, I know a lot of you guys are on social media. Social media can be bad for recruiting; it be good for recruiting. Let's be positive. There's no reason to be negative based on what's been on put on film, but let's be extra positive and carry that juice with these recruits. Positive messaging, which you don't have to be. That you know, when usually when we're saying that's when the Canes have had a horrible game, we're trying to like damage control, right? The team is doing their part. Bring that positive energy, get that that those tweets going. If you're asking me who I have my laser eye on, that's a a flip candidate. Two of the arguably the two best players in the entire nation. In fact, I would say, you know, I've not studied everybody in depth. But the two best players I've seen in the entire nation, Jeremiah Smith, Ellis Robinson. Okay. So two guys watching Miami very closely have to like what they see. Both guys, instant starters. Jeremiah Smith, Ellis Robinson. I know the coaches are cranking up the pressure. Fans, crank up the positive juice. 
when it comes to those two players. If you you know if you're on social media and doing that kind of thing, if you're the type to tweet bad things at players, recruits when we're, when we're doing bad, do five times that when we're doing good. Especially with with some of these guys who are committed but strongly interested. And D, before we go here, we have to announce that we're gonna we're not gonna be able to open our Buffs Insight website after today's events. Look, hey, I'm I, I'm a D. I don't I'll keep track of all that back and forth. I like Dion, man. I don't care. You could I do hate too. on me. All I, I just think you know a lot of the stuff's been especially with the former players going over there. They're, they're, they're cool with them. I, I know they still have love for love for Miami. So listen, it's it, no one has their alumni around more than us. I mean, you had the rock tweeting at Armando Blunt, who's a 25 kid, you know, what other school has the number one movie star in the world tweeting at a 25 year old or 25, 16 year old defense alignment, man. Come on. We're okay there. I like Dion. I think Dion ran into, Amaro Cristobal built offensive lines. That's what happened. You know, it takes it takes time to build the trenches. You saw with Mario, it took him two years. Now we now we're there. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. I, listen, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get Dion Hay from me. I, I think the reason the media covers him so much is because every group chat we're in talks about Dion nonstop. The message board talks about Dion nonstop. You know, I, I'm worried about the Canes. Uh, I, I'm ha- I enjoy that as a side, uh, but Miami Hurricanes are doing exactly what they need to do to make themselves a national brand in recruiting and attention wise. Take care, get recruited this bye week, get healthy, get better. Georgia tech, take care of business. Like you've been taking care of business against inferior teams. And then a huge, huge game against Drake may, who to me is the closest thing I've seen to Trevor Lawrence. I know he's not having a great year, but he'll be there. And Miami needs to get a lot better pass rush wise and secondary wise against a player like that. So they'll be tested by the best of the best. Well, the crystal ball canes are on their way. That's for sure. Great progress we've seen in the early part of this season, um, but it looks like it's something that is sustainable. Canesinsight.com. Keep it locked there all week and the rest of the season. Appreciate everyone who was out at the Titanic watch party. Again, we'll be there the rest of the season home and away. Uh, So excited to see you guys out there. Like this video, subscribe to the channel. We do these every week, the instant reaction shows, as well as our normal podcast during the week and our Thursday night live shows. Appreciate everyone who joined us tonight. Go Canes. Go Canes.